As I came in this morning, I was trying to remember what the inside of the church looked like. Because I think I came here when I was a, a trainee, a student at the King's Lodge, which would probably be in the second half of 1987. So it's quite a long time ago. Um, when, I was a, when I went on staff, I started attending St. James in Weddington, which is where I went for a couple of years. Before then, God moved me off to Birmingham. Um, I came back here to the King's Lodge about 10 years ago, and I've been living in Hinckley ever since, and I worship at St. John's there. I have been a YWAMA for about 30 years. I'm kind of part-time these days. I'm trying to slow down. I'm not very good at it. I'm trying to learn from Maggie, but she's not very good at slowing down either. So, I, <laughs> so, I'm, uh, so I think between us, we are two determined ladies to keep on serving Jesus in whatever way he requires us to. When I, when I was first at the lodge, we had a speaker, a, a gentleman from New Zealand, and he made a great impression on me. He'd been an economics lecturer. He'd led a church. He'd recently retired. And as he was teaching us for a week, I learned an incredible amount from him. But more than anything, I became aware of him as a man who was full of the word and the spirit. And I had grown up, um, I'd become a believer when I was about 15, but I'd been in Sunday school before that. And I'd grown up in churches where, that were strongly about the word and the Bible, nothing about the Holy Spirit. And then I went to university in Birmingham, and the, the whole renewal of the Holy Spirit kind of hit the Christian Union. And um, I felt as though I was kind of, it was a bit like being on a pendulum swing. Um, and so by the time I came to do my crossroads here, which was quite a long time later, and I saw someone in whom it wasn't one or the other, but the word and the spirit seemed to be entwined together. I remember saying to God, I want to be like that. And I'm not somebody who has ever, I've never studied the Bible academically. So um, that can be a disadvantage, but that's the way God has led me. And I've never studied it academically, but I've learned over the, over the years to, to love the Bible and in particular, one of the things that I've, um, it's grown to be a part of my life is, is praying the Bible. And you know how you can read the Bible for years and then suddenly come across a verse that you're sure you've never seen before? Well, it happened to me a couple of years ago. I read, I came across Jeremiah 23, 29 and wondered how I'd missed it. I'll read it to you. You don't need to look it up. It says, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? 
And I thought, wow, that's powerful. If the word of God is like a fire which consumes things and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces, that is a powerful picture of what the word of God is. And I began to realize that they are t- that's a description of the word of God being powerful and effective in action. I have, for a long time, I guess, been somebody who um, has been labeled as a, a spiritual warrior. And that's part of my gifting. But I think it's something that we all are. We all are soldiers. We're all warriors in the kingdom of God. And you can't be, you can't think about warfare without looking at Ephesians 6. I'm not going to read the whole of the, the, the spiritual warfare passage. But in verse 18, no, verse 17, it says this. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And it goes on to say, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. And when I was reading that one day, I I looked at the connection and it says... Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit. And I saw the connection then between the Word and praying. And I began to understand that um, the sword, the Word of God, it's the, the offensive weapon, the attacking weapon that God has given us. Much of the other... Things to do with warfare are for defense and protection. But this one is the, is the attacking weapon, the offensive weapon. And so I began to think more and more about the whole thing, about using the Bible uh, as, uh, and using the word of God, which is powerful and effective in warfare. So I want to tell you a story I, am, I was given this story by someone who had heard a bishop tell the story. This was from Bishop James Ryle. He was an American bishop, and he was speaking at a conference in this country. I believe it was in Nottingham. And this is what he said. This is the procedure given to volunteer Peace Corps going to the Amazon. It's the procedure about what to do if you are attacked by an anaconda snake. This is part of their training. Now, the anaconda snake is the largest in the world. It can be 11 meters long. That's big. It can weigh... 200 kilograms. And he described it like a telephone pole with attitude. (laughs) 
And these are the instructions that were apparently given to the volunteer Peace Corps workers when they went to the Amazon. Instruction number one. If you are attacked by an anaconda, do not run. The snake is faster than you. Instruction number two, lie flat on the ground, put your arms tight against your sides and your legs tight against one another and tuck your chin in, or more than one if you've got more than one. (laughs) Tuck your chin in was instruction number three. Number four... The snake will come and begin to nudge and climb about your body. Instruction number five says, in capital letters, do not panic. (laughs) Number six. After the snake has examined you, remember you're lying flat, it will begin to swallow you from the feet, always the feet. Allow the snake to swallow your feet and ankles. Capital letters, do not panic. Whoever wrote this believes in miracles. Yes, do not panic. Number seven. The snake will now begin to suck your legs into its body. Some of you have amazing imaginations. I can tell by the look on your face. (laughs) You're imagining it. You must lie perfectly still. This will take a long time. When the snake has reached your knees, slowly and with as little movement as possible, reach down and take your knife and very gently slide it into the snake's mouth between the edge of its mouth and your leg, suddenly, with as much force as possible, rip upwards and sever through the top of the snake's head. Number nine. Be sure you have your knife. (laughs) Number ten. Be sure your knife is sharp. (laughs) Somebody's heard it before. (laughs) What's the moral of this story? It's a jungle out there. There's an anaconda out there with a bad attitude. You can't outrun him. Sooner or later, as you go about, you will encounter him. Make sure 
You have your knife. Your knife, of course, is the word of God. You need to know the word of God so that you can cut the enemy to pieces. You can cut Satan or whoever his demons are that whispering to you. You can cut him to pieces even when he sucked you halfway in. Make sure your knife is sharp. And remember, it's at the point when the attack gets to your knees that victory prevails. Because when it gets to our knees, that's when we pray, isn't it? It's when we pray, when we get on our knees, that uh, victory prevails. So we need to keep, we need to have sharp knives. We need to know the word of God. I'm sure you too have heard those horrifying statistics about how many believers only read their Bible once a week. And of course, it's not easy faithfully reading your Bible because the enemy doesn't want to do it, us to do it. And one of the things I love about technology is the fact that I can not just read the Bible, I can listen to the Bible. And I'm a bit of a technological dinosaur, so I still have the Bible on CD, which I have in my car, and I can listen to it in my car. And of course, you can listen to the Bible on your phone. You can read it on your phone, we can, uh, on your laptop or whatever. There's all sorts of ways of us reading and being in contact with, with the Word of God. I really want to encourage you to be people who get to know the Word of God. There are, there's at least... There are several people here who've done the School of Biblical Studies at the King's Lodge. And one of the things that happens on that school is they have to read every book of the Bible five times, I think, if I get the number right, before they actually study it. And they just, just, they read it all the way through. Can you imagine what that's like when they're doing Isaiah? all 66 chapters five times. It's so important for us to get to know the Word of God. One of the things that um, I'll talk a bit more about next week is, is ways of doing that. But I want to encourage you. One of the things that I quite, I used to enjoy as a child, I love history. And I used to, I didn't like doing it in the, um, in the King James because it was difficult. But once we got more modern translations, I loved reading the Old Testament books as if they were history books to, in order to get the story. And I used to sit and read through chunks of the Old Testament because I liked the stories. And you know, that's not a bad way to get some of the, the stories of Scripture and the things of Scripture 
into our heads. We don't always have to study it. So I, I want to encourage you, and especially if you, these days we have the message, it's really relatively easy to curl up on the sofa and read a chunk of scripture. I was teaching down at Homestead Manor this last week, and um, I was teaching on prophetic leadership. So I wanted them to read about Moses. So I gave them homework one night, and it was to read Exodus 1 to 19, and then 32 to 34. And, and I suggested they read it in something like the message or a modern translation, because this wasn't to study, it was just to get hold of the story and get understanding of what was happening. One of the ways that the important thing is to get your, make sure your knife is sharp. And there are lots of ways we can do that. The, um, I remember once when I was, um, when I was first trying to get hold of having a quiet time. Um, and knowing that I ought to read my Bible, but not finding it all that, all that easy to do. And I began the habit of starting my quiet time with a psalm or, or a bit of Proverbs, so as to gently get me into it. And, and at the moment, I'm going through a season where I'm reading Psalm 119, and I read, because it's 22 chunks of eight, I read eight verses. This is how I start my quiet time each day. I start with those eight verses, and I turn them into worship and prayer. And then when I get to the end of Psalm 119, after 22 days, I go back again. That's what I'm doing at the moment. And there's, there's all sorts of ways in which we can sharpen our knives. And so I want to encourage you, the one thing that gets in the way is guilt. If you feel guilty that you haven't been doing it, and you kind of make a resolution, I must do it. You know, this is what I need to do, and I must read my Bible, and I need to do it every day. Da, 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 da. And then you sleep in one morning, and you don't do it, and then you feel guilty all day because you haven't done it, you've made a promise to God and you've broken it, you haven't done it, and the next morning, when you come to do it, you still feel guilty, and you're far less likely to do it. Just be real and say to God, rather than, I'm going to read the Bible. I don't know how many times I've said to God, I'm going to read the Bible every day, I'm going to wake up earlier and do it, and da-da-da, and I haven't. And then I got to discover that the, one of the things that keeps me away is feeling guilty. So what I changed my mind then, I was going to say something different to God. And I said to God, I want to be somebody who reads my Bible as much as possible and preferably every day, at least once a day. But I really need your help. I really need you, Holy Spirit, to encourage me, to remind me, to um, work in my heart so that I really want to read your word. 
And that was a much more productive prayer than saying, I'm going to do it. This is my New Year's resolution. This is my halfway through the year resolution. I'm really going to crack it this year. That never worked for me. It might for you, and that's fine. But it never worked for me because guilt, when I failed, always got in the way. And since then, it's been saying, God, this is what I want. I want to be like that. I want to be someone who is steeped in your word. I want to be someone who loves your word. I want to be somebody who really reads your word. Will you change my heart and will you help me? And you know the Holy Spirit loves prayers like that because this is his book. He wrote it. And of course he wants us to be steeped in his word. So he will loves to come along and help us in that. That was kind of effectively my introduction. So I want to talk now about, about actually praying scripture itself. So how do we use scripture? And I'm sure these are ways that you already do. If you feel inadequate and weak in a situation, if you have one of those things where you feel, I don't think I can do this, what do we do? Well, we go, okay, what do, uh, this is what I do. What does scripture say? Scripture says, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that's where I start. And I say, okay, this is what your word says, Lord. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I'm going to choose whatever I feel. I might feel weak. I might feel inadequate. I'm going to choose to say, this is what your word says. And it says that Jesus is going to strengthen me. So that's what I can, Jesus now, come and strengthen me to do these things that you want me to do. So I've taken a piece of scripture and I'm declaring it and praying it over myself. There might be another situation, for instance, where I feel a bit overwhelmed and I don't have the resources or feel as though I don't have the resources to do all the things that God has for me. And in that situation, there's another scripture pops into my head. And it's from 2 Peter 1. It's 2 Peter 1 verse 3. And it says this. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness. And so I start to say, okay, I might feel overwhelmed. I might feel that I don't have the resources for this, but your word says... And this is where we start. The Bible says, you have your divine power in me, gives me everything I need for life and godliness. Boy, is that comprehensive. Everything I need for life and godliness. All of that is in me because Jesus' divine power is in me through his Holy Spirit. So as I start to speak to myself, I'm declaring the word over myself, I can start to say, okay, 
This might be overwhelming. This might feel too big. But in you, Jesus, there is everything I need for life and godliness today. This situation. What about those days when you feel afraid or there's a situation that you're very nervous about? If you're like me, you know, it takes a major catastrophe to get me to the dentist. A few weeks ago, I had to have an operation just underneath my eye. I um, Apparently, some of us in our older years have sagging eyelids, which is what I've got. And... Uh, it causes your eyelashes to rub your eye, which can be quite damaging to your eye. So I've had to have what is known in the trade as a tuck in my eye. I've had cosmetic surgery, but it wasn't for cosmetic reasons. It was so I could see and not damage my eye. And I've got another one coming up. But I'd never had an operation where they weren't going to put me to sleep. This one was going to be a local anesthetic and I was going to be awake. I was scared. Boy, was I terrified. I'm quite happy coping with those where you chat away to the anesthetist and then two seconds later, or it feels like it, you're waking up in the recovery room. I've had a couple of those and, and they're fine. But this one, oh no, this was scary. And I sent a text to a couple of friends and said, it's happening today and I'm really scared. And one of them sent this scripture back. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. Well, do you remember that children's chorus? Well, guess what I was singing as they were wheeling me along the trolley. I didn't do it out loud. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. And that, as I was doing that, my fear began to subside. I can run into Jesus and he is with me. And you know, once, once it got going, I was totally without fear. And I'm going back to have the other one done, hopefully sometime soon. And I'm quite looking forward to it. It was, you know, it was quite fun being able to chat to the nurses and the doctors while they were doing it. It, it became an interesting experience. But there was huge fear beforehand. Um, and I was able to, again, take hold of a scripture. As I've mentioned, I, realize, I read Psalm 119 quite a lot. And verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. But I want to change the last bit. I don't think Holy Spirit minds if I change bits of scripture, as long as I don't try and Make it, in, but it's I have hidden your word in my heart so that you might encourage me and others when I need it. And I want to encourage you to be people who hide the word of God in your heart. 
Read it and enjoy it. Read it like a book. Study it. Sing it. But the Holy Spirit wants to encourage you to hide his word in your heart. And I love the fact when I'm praying that a scripture will pop into my head. Um, and I, will, I, can, I can pray that scripture. There's another thing that I do with scripture when I'm praying. Um, many years ago, um, I, was, I learned something about um, when we have believed lies about ourselves or God. And believing lies is when we discover that we don't agree with Scripture. And with me, it was, because of my background, uh, I, come, I had a very difficult relationship with my mother. My birth made her ill. And for the first six of months of my life, I was looked after by other people. Uh, although that we were in the same house, I didn't have a lot of contact with her. And when she became well again, and she started looking after me, she had this little baby that she didn't know. The baby didn't know her. And um, that was the beginning of quite a difficult relationship. I was rebellious. She was a very strong character. And um, we clashed. When I came home from university, my father used to say, oh, well, here goes World War Three again. When I was a child, obviously, she was in control. And it wasn't like that. But I never felt loved. I never felt that I belonged to her. I did with my father. That was God's redeeming grace for me. But with my mother, I never felt loved. And one of the things that planted in me was an inability to really believe that God loved me. And an inability to understand something about the love of God. And I often felt abandoned and separated from love. And at one time, a friend, when praying for me, said, I think this is a key scripture for you, and gave me this scripture from Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. And it says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And as I got hold of that scripture, and I've learned that God doesn't mind this, I praised it. And basically came down to nothing can separate me from the love of God. Absolutely nothing can separate me from the love of God. And the friend that was praying for me taught me this little exercise. And she said, it's like medicine. I want you to take this scripture three times a day and I want you to do this. And so I took the scripture, and the first thing I did was speak to Heavenly Father and say to him, 
thank you, Father, that your word says nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate me from your love. There's nothing in heaven or on earth, because that's what the scripture says, can separate me from your love. So I thank you that whatever I feel, I cannot be separated from your love. And then the next thing she taught me to say was to say it to the enemy. Because he'd been telling me lies for years and I'd been believing them. So it was about time I told him something. So when I talk to the, I find it very difficult to talk to the enemy without waving my finger at him. So it's kind of enemy. I'm telling you, and you better be listening. And if you're not listening, just go away. But I'm telling you that there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God. And I'm not believing your lies anymore. And I tell you the truth. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. And then I would speak to little else, her in there. That's where she lives. Little else is somewhere in there. And she she needs to hear the truth. So I would prod my innermost being wherever it is. And I would say, Else, are you listening? Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Absolutely nothing can separate you from the love of God. There's nothing in heaven or earth that can do that. You will never be separated from the love of God. And I did that for probably about three or four weeks. I I never did count exactly. But at I suddenly realized one day, I believed it. I believed it now. It wasn't just me convincing myself. I believed it, and I knew it. I was utterly convinced, and it's been like that ever since. I've never had any more doubts. Because I prayed the word of God, and it rooted myself. It rooted itself in my being. Derek Prince suggests that with scripture, we proclaim it, we declare it out loud, we personalize it. The second thing we do is personalize it. So take hold of it for yourself. Then accept it as true. That's what I was doing. I accepted that that it was true, even though I didn't yet believe it. I accepted that it was true, and that gradually led to belief. And thank God for it and praise him for it. Praying the word of God over ourselves is powerful. It's also important, the next thing is to be praying scripture over others and over different situations. A little while ago, I was in a meeting. Uh, I was meeting with some uh, friends. It wasn't at the King's Lodge. And we were, we were planning, we had a planning meeting for um, the Y1 Prayer Network. And just as we, as we were having coffee, we got a text from uh, a leader somewhere else. And he was involved in a key meeting that day. And it was, it was to say, would we pray? God had given them a scripture. And that scripture was Proverbs 18. If we'd got time, would we pray? So we opened our Bibles at Proverbs 18. We didn't know what we were praying for. But we just took and we read through Proverbs 18. 
And every time a verse kind of, we looked at every verse and we prayed it into the situation that we didn't know anything about, but some meeting that was happening. And it probably took us about half an hour or more just to steadily go through and to pray it. Later in that day, we had another text saying, thanks for praying. The meeting went much better than we expected. We didn't get any more, more information than that. But it's really, it's often key to be praying scripture. Um, Just a couple of weeks ago, I was praying for someone. And um, as I was kind of thinking about just saying to God, what do you want me to pray for them? Into my head came Philippians 4. So I flipped to Philippians 4 quickly. And the thing that, um, that stuck, stood out to me as I read it was where it says, rejoice again, I say rejoice. So I started to pray for that person that God would give them a heart to take joy in him. Not in their circumstances, which were difficult, not to take joy in their circumstances, but to take joy in him. And while I was praying for them, I started doing it myself, as though, as though I was doing that over them. And as I did that, later in that day, I sent them a text and said, been praying this scripture for you. And it turned out to be a real key for that person. I need to watch the time. So I want to say a little bit, when I'm at the beginning, when I mentioned about reading scripture, I didn't mention meditating on scripture. And I want to encourage you, as this is not, meditating is not studying scripture, but there's a lovely description of it. I always use this one in the Y1 Bible. Um, by the way, the Y1 Bible is no different a Bible to any, anything else. It's the same Bible, but we just have some extra bits of Y1 stories uh, in it. And there's one, and there's some words of encouragement at various times. And there's one about meditation, and it says this. The concept of meditation comes from a Latin word that describes a cow chewing the cud. The grass is eaten, chewed, swallowed, regurgitated back into the second stomach, chewed some more, and swallowed again. The process is repeated until the food is fully digested. George Muller, a missionary here in the slums of England many years ago, said, God showed me that I should go to his word to chew on it early in the morning. This is not something I do for my ministry, but something for me personally that I would be nourished. I love that description of chewing on the word, thinking about it, thanking God for it, 
looking at this, the different words, taking the little bits and chewing away at them to get the food out of them. I was talking to a friend about two years ago. We were talking about meditation. Um, uh, it's someone, some of you will know, a man called Paul Hopkins. And he'd been meditating on Psalm 91, the first verse. It says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Paul meditated on that verse for three weeks. And he said it was one of the most, kind of the biggest meals he ever had from God. He chewed, he chewed and chewed it. And the Holy Spirit kept showing him all sorts of things. So I want to encourage you. Praying the Bible, I found to be a really fun journey. And you know, sometimes when you're praying for other people, do you ever... I don't know whether it's me, I, th I run out of things to pray for. And there's times when I, if I'm praying for a situation that I've prayed a lot of times before, I think, I've prayed every which way. I don't know what else to pray. And it's often then that God will give me a scripture. And so I pray that scripture over the situation. And if I make a note of it, next time I come back, I can pray that scripture again. Because the word of God is powerful. It's like a hammer. It's like a fire. It's an attacking sword that can deal with the enemy. I want to encourage you to be people who know and love your Bible. Mine... This is, I think it's, this is my third Y1 Bible. I'm afraid it's got coffee stains on it. It's got a chunk missing because I tore a page and I haven't been able to, it won't stay stuck together. But it's still my Bible. It's a working Bible. One of the things that makes us very different from Muslims, Muslims will wrap the Quran up in a cloth and they will never dream of putting it on the floor. They treat it with huge reverence. We can revere the word of God because our Heavenly Father said it and wrote it. But we don't have to worry too much about the book. I have stood on my Bible. I have put it on the floor and stood on it and proclaimed things. We are so fortunate in being able to have more than one Bible and, and buy a new one when the other one wears out. But let's not just worry about the physical. Let's be people who take hold of the word of God and use it to change the world that we live in. Excuse me, I sometimes shake when the Holy Spirit touches me. But there's a world out there that needs to be changed. There are people out there that need to know God. There are those of us in the kingdom who need strengthening. 
and the word of God is there to be active, to be living, to change situations, to be powerful and effective. And I want to encourage you to be people who ask God to give you a love for his word and to teach you how to use it. We've all got swords. They don't need to be stuck by our side all the time. They need to be somewhere where we can pull them out and use them. So I want to encourage you to be somebody who has a working Bible that uh, every day you're using it for the kingdom of God. Father, I want to thank you for your word. I love the fact that you gave us the Holy Spirit to live within us, but you also gave us your word that we can look at every day, that we can go back to, that we can learn, that we can think about, that we can use. Father, you have equipped us to be soldiers in your kingdom. You have equipped us to stand alongside one another. And I want to thank you for your mercy. I want to thank you that you, are, you have such amazing foresight that you equip us for, with everything we need for life and godliness. And so I want to pray for us, Lord Jesus, and I want to ask, would you increase our love your word? Would you increase our desire to read it, to learn it, to meditate on it, to study it? Would you increase our desire to be people of both the word and the spirit and to be effective soldiers in your kingdom? Thank you, Father. Amen.